0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode ninety-three. I don't have any article today to read to you. I don't. Um, I don't have anything from Life Site News right now. At this moment, I want to talk freely with you. And before I begin. I want to read a little passage from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, all right? I think it would be appropriate. So before I begin our subject matter, our talk about the madness in and outside the church. Let's just read something from the Word of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is going to be from Ephesians chapter 4, Unity in the Body of Christ. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing in one another, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men in saying, In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth carried about with every wind of doctrine By the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly and makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There you go. I was talking to a friend of mine about my, I'm, I'm, I was frustrated, angry that we were going through Pentecost without, at least New York, in uh, the state of New York, or at least in Manhattan, I'm guessing, that we're not going to have, we're not going to have, Pentecost um, service. Even in my parish, uh, Regina Paci, <laughs> they're still ha- doing streaming. And I did read, of course, that they were going to allow people to visit the parish, and of course you had to wear a mask and you had to sit in designated areas. It's um. Frustrating. And of course, now, after weeks of shutdown, weeks of um, being locked up all over the United States, we had this unfortunate tragedy in Minneapolis. The death of this uh, man, George Floyd. And then all of a sudden, it was hijacked when it was supposed to be a peaceful. Uh, protest. It was hijacked by some sinister anarchists. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say the name Antifa. I just uh, saw uh, photos. They uh, spray painted uh, St. Patrick Cathedral on one side. I think it might have been on the east side or I'm sorry, the, the north side of the church of the cathedral, they, on the doors, they spray paint, they spray paint an upside down cross, uh, no justice, no peace, BLM, Black Lives Matter. All right. And then they, they also did, uh, by the front entrance of the columns. And I'm sure there were other parts that, uh, I haven't seen photos of. Well, it, let me put it this way: It was. I saw a video. I don't know if it was California or I think it might have been California. Two white girls dressed in black, covered their faces, covered their eyes with sunglasses, were going around on um, closed uh, stores like Starbucks, spray painting BLM, "No Justice, No Peace," and it. You know, they, it was not black people doing it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I work in Manhattan and I deal with the public. Okay. The ones who are doing this, the ones who wear the Black Lives Matter signs most of the time. And I say most of the time because most of the time that's I've seen this are white people. I've seen elderly white people, right, wearing Black Lives Matter uh, buttons. I've seen young white women and young white men wearing Black Lives Matter uh, logos and buttons. I've seen uh, middle aged people wearing it who happen to be white. And so, what does that mean? Well, it technically shows you who is pushing the movement who is basically using it as, who's weaponizing it. Because this is a deception. Technically progressives don't care about the minorities of people who are color. I mean, don't get me wrong. I come from a Middle Eastern background. I'm beyond looking Norwegian. Okay. I got, I got dark skin. You know, some may call it brown skin. Some may call it olive tone skin. All right. Yeah. I don't look European. I don't have blue eyes. I don't have blonde hair. I don't have pink skin. And, you know, most of the time in New York, it's fine with me. I'm mistaken for being Hispanic. Most Middle Easterners can be mistaken for being Hispanic. That's fine. I don't care. It doesn't bother me, you know. But the point I'm trying to say is, is that there's a manipulation going on here. It is manipulation. It is manipulation by a group of people who are weaponizing minorities, people of color, to their own political ends. And it's been said by several political, by several groups, commentaries, that Antifa is really a movement to bring down the the uh, the establishment of the united states i i've seen them around manhattan they have uh socialist symbolism and majority of these antifa people happen to be white educated kids who come from a very very uh uh re- revolutionary background their parents were once uh hippies who have very strong anti-american anti-american establishment they claim to be anti-capitalist but a lot of them happen to be from upper income and i've you know i've seen programs about it they're not poor white kids some of them may be middle class but a lot of them happen to be very much um uh, indoctrinated in this sort of movement And they care less about minorities to them. As far as I'm concerned, I see these people as the new colonialists. The new masters in charge. Okay. The new so-called plantation owners. That's how I see them. They're no different than Nazis. They don't care about justice. They don't care about someone like George Floyd. What happened to that man was terrible. Okay. That was a bully cop. He was a psychopath who should not have been made a police officer and possibly the other guys, the reason why they didn't say anything is they were afraid of him. They were afraid to be his target. It's a terrible thing, but it happens. You know, this, there are people in some jobs. It doesn't matter what kind of job you're in. It could be in an office job. It could be uh, in, in, in the military, it could be in police, um, it could be in any work situation. You deal with people who are very, very um, hostile, very bullish, who are very aggressive, who have, who have some serious problems. God help us, but that's true. All right? It's possibly that's the way Judas Iscariot was. It's a, It's a reality. Now, the problem is, now we see chaos outside the church. There is a world out there that is seriously in need of Jesus Christ, that is seriously in need of the gospel. And we see that a world is also have become very hostile to the church. Hence, you have the graffiti on the walls. There's also down south, a couple of uh, week ago, the Protestant church got burned down. Because it wanted to open up. It wanted to open up because it wanted, it wanted to, to go back and start worshiping. And there were a lot of hostility towards it. Why? Because the church gets in the way of this shutdown. It gets in the way of this, that wearing a mask now has no longer become about the safety of your body. It has become a social system of conformity. We have to conform to this new establishment. We've had democratic lawmakers say that this whole shutdown, the whole shutdown of the U.S. economy, the whole shutdown of this, uh, of, of the country, right. Which has basically hurt people because without a, a healthy economy, people feel helpless. All right, they don't want to put their hands out. They, they, they worked hard to build a business and all of a sudden this, this coronavirus that came out of nowhere, this, this Wuhan virus that came out of nowhere has suddenly disrupted their lives. Some people couldn't pay the rent. Some people couldn't pay the bills. There was an, uh, an editorial in the New York post, um, a, a reporter saw people um, somewhere in New York, in Manhattan, I believe it was, standing in line to get food from uh, a Catholic pan- uh, pantry because they, they, needed, they needed food for their kids. Some of them were elderly people. They were standing online, line, a food line. You believe it? A food line. Amazing how things have changed in a short time. Let me read a little bit more from uh, chapter 4. I stopped at verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to continue to read a little bit uh, from verse 17. The old life and the new. Now this I affirm and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to lasciviousness, greedy to practice of, of every kind, of uncleanness, You did not so learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off the old man that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we say Gentiles, I think what it has to mean for us is that those of us who have converted have left the the old life which is a Gentile life we are new Jews we are Jews We we have been circumcised in Christ baptized in Christ circumcised by accepting the cross by accepting the penalty that Christ has accepted on our behalf the penalty of death to sin that's what the circumcision in the Old Testament meant for the the boy the male child eight days old the foreskin removed was a foreshadowing of the crucifixion All right the the, de- the to to part ways of the old life and that is what the the lamb's blood for the jews when they were captives in egypt meant they had to 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 kill the, the lamb which was a representation of Christ and also the sacrament of the wine and blood that, will, that Christ himself will give to the, to the world, both to the, to the house of Israel and to the Gentiles. Paul, in another passage, referred to Israel as the cultivated olive tree and the Gentiles where the uncultivated olive tree, the wild olive tree, the two have been grafted. And that is what it represents, the Old and New Testament. Unfortunately, we, we now, the Gentiles who have accepted the gospel, are now slowly turning our backs on the gospel. And behold, the world has gone into madness are Our young people, many of them young people who don't know don't know what is morally right, they don't have the moral compass anymore. Everything is based on feelings. justice is based on feelings, not about doing the right thing. They don't like something, they hate something it's because it based on feelings. They don't like it. They'll burn it down because it doesn't make them feel good. They burn down. Fulton Sheen said, you can burn down everything, but what are you going to build after you burn down? What foundations do you have? They don't care about classical learning Classical chi teaching, classical philosophy—all of it is all white man stuff, established white man. The gospel, the church is all white men. This is the Marcus, the Marxist mentality. Right? Tell them everything is oppressive and established, you know, by Europeans. Never mind that Christianity is not originally a white man religion. Yes, you have a church, but this, but Christ is the authority. He, everything has been set up according to his authority. He wasn't going to force us all into his church. He wasn't going to take our free will. He was going to give us the time that we needed to convert and change the world. He wasn't going to force us to take our medicine. One of, one of the most beautiful things is that God was so patient. He allowed us to have free will. To know what's right. To do that which is right. And to see what was wrong. And that is the beautiful thing. To to realize what is ignorance, To understand the difference between light and darkness. We had to know this. We had to try to understand this. Christ said all authority of heaven and earth had been handed over to me. Notice uh, all authority had been handed over to him. But he wasn't going to exploit that authority. He wasn't going to exploit his divinity. He saw he was God. And he didn't think it was right to exploit it as a, his wisdom, his love, his patience, he had all the wisdom and love and patience of a divine person. He didn't succumb to exploiting power the way some men the way mortal men do. The devil saw it was worthy to exploit power. he wanted the power he wanted to exploit it he wanted to he wants to use deception. He wants to use, you know, his, his power of a tyrant. And he done, he's done that. He's done that with empires. He's done that with false teaching. He's done that with deception. And look at us. Even now we have people who use deception. Some of the people within the media use deception. People in government use deception. I mean, look at this, uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci. What does he say? He goes on America Magazine just recently, and I'm going to pull out that article another time. And he doesn't think we should go back to mass. He doesn't think we should go back to mass. He doesn't think that going to church is a good idea for us because we might spread this virus. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Wear a mask stand six feet apart from each other. Well, what's the point of wearing a mask, and why stand six feet six feet apart from each other if you're wearing a mask? I mean it doesn't none of it makes any sense. He goes he says one thing he backpedals. He appears he doesn't know about this. It may be you know yes, lives have been lost, but not as many as they said it was. In in the United States, we have more population in some states where we live on top of each other, like in here in New York city, we live on top of each other and trust me, my neighbor upstairs has put me through the test. Okay. I mean, a lot of times I was forgetting I was a Christian, you know, but I've been praying for him and trying to deal with him and his crazy mother. But I, but I have to pray for them and I have to pray to be patient. But a lot of people have gone crazy and a lot of domestic and a lot of uh, neighbors have fought with each other because people, you know, playing loud music. But he's been playing the loud music long before this shutdown. You can see I'm, I'm going through the test here. But these, these these people who are supposed to be smart leaders, who are supposed to be experts in their field, don't seem to know what they're doing. Then you have people like on CNN, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon talking about that. Racism is about having power, economic power, and who has the economic power and Chris Cuomo jumps in eagerly white people. I mean, you see what they're doing. They're controlling the theme. They're not being objective reporters. They're not being objective reporters. So how do we know they're not abusing their power? As reporters. If you want to know something, according to Aquinas, to do the good means go against you know going against what you really want to do, meaning going against your own temptations. Sometimes doing the good is not always based on your feelings, it's based on a moral compass. Of what is the greater good. All right. The law is not based on our feelings. The law is based on justice. The justice of God. The justice of God comes first. And I was listening. I was watching a program about St. Joan of Arc, which we just celebrated her feast day. France. being, uh, Being a country being a country, never mind France first, but a country is sacred. It's the greater microcosm of the family. All right? A town, a city, you keep going further and further out from the home of a husband, father, and that is mother, you know, wife, mother, children. It keeps growing. It starts off, because remember, even our Lord has made the family sacred father, mother, holy family. We saw that in the gospel, of Luke with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we saw that in the nativity, we saw that in the life, the private life of Christ as a child with, with the blessed mother and St. Joseph. And then we see that later on growing further into the church. And we see the church then dealing with uh, the, the greater, the greater, the government, the city, the government, Jerusalem, with Pilate, Caiaphas, Annas, our Lord. And then we see it going into the kingdom of Christ. All right. The church and then the kingdom, the world. There's a sacredness. Paul uses it referring to the body. Each member. Each member serving a purpose. For the greater good. For the greater glory. And that is basically why we still need nations. This whole idea of. Globalism. Technically has to tear down that idea. And they're not doing it. With the inspiration of God, they're not doing it with the greater good of the individual or the soul. It's really the devil trying to reshape the world into his image. We've had this already, we've gone through this in this century. we went through World War I, we went through World War II with Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, and then we went through stalin and and you know and and the, the uh, Soviet Union, and we've seen this. we've seen this with several people who try to come up with their ideal version of the world. And I think it's dangerous. Now we have this thing about population control with Bill Gates, George Soros, Jeffrey Sachs, very bad idea, not good. And unfortunately, we have a pope who has been educated. We may have had several popes like that who have been educated with more conformity to the world than to the gospel, with many Cardinals who have been conformed to that. We've gone through this in several episodes, um, with Vigano, with Mueller, with uh, Athanasius Schneider, Cardinal Syrah, they've all talked about this. They've all talked about this and it's it's a serious manner. All right, so let me read the uh, remaining passage of chapter 4. Rules for the New Life. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, putting away falsehood, falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may, he may be able to give to those in need. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only such as, as is good for edifying, as fits the occasions that it may impart grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the holy spirit of god in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, claimer and slander, uh, slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you i'll try lord trust me with my neighbor upstairs i'll try I'm being put to the test. I know that. But the fact that he mentions work, that's another problem. I don't think this guy, this young guy upstairs, has a job, unfortunately. And I don't think um, his mom, well, she's she's beyond working years right now, but... Unfortunately, I think he's piggybacking off his mother, as we say, which is unfortunate. He looks like you know a guy from, like, what do you call it, 18, maybe 23 years of age, and he should be working. But unfortunately, because there's a system that uh, makes him dependent, and if he does get a job, in other words, if he goes on the books... Uh, he wouldn't be qualified for uh, housing. You know, it happens. That's what the the system does to some, uh, to some of these uh, people who basically, you know, may not have the ability or the education. And, of course, a lot of it has a lot to do because I've been with, with a lot of young people these days who, uh, especially with my work, because I work in a cultural institution, and a lot of them I met just, couldn't stand the long hours and couldn't conform themselves to work with the public. Couldn't conform themselves to the discipline. They don't know how to do it. They get frustrated. Some of them, because they've been in so indoctrinated with this uh, thing about oppression, because they happen to be people who are, who are a minority sometimes, can't deal with the fact that they're dealing with, uh, you know, that that they, they look at it as though it's oppressive to them because they happen to be minority and they think that they're conforming to a white supremacist thing. But what they ha- what happened was that they they they've been indoctrinated. They can't see beyond the fact that we all have to work. Because if you look at if you look at it, you're not. People of color are not the only one working in this institution. You know? there. Are, see, we have pe- people in my job from Albanian background. We have people in my job from Russian background. Um, there's one or two, there's a several people from Italian background. You know? There's people from Eastern European background. There's people from Africa. There's people from Asia. There's people from the Philippines. They all work. The problem is, is that there's this horrible indoctrination that basically blinds them from seeing this. Because a lot of the colleges and universities are doing this to these young people. And so therefore, making them think in a certain way. You don't realize someone is manipulating you to think in this way. Once you work, and you also have to put others Ahead of you, you have to find a purpose. A husband and husband works to support his family. A mom works to support her family. Children should in return, take care of their, their family. If they have to take care of their mom, or if you're married, you take care of your immediate family, you take care as well as your, your elderly. That gives you a purpose in life. It makes you you become a grown-up. And then you also learn to put aside childish things. I love comic books, but I got to give up comic books. And a lot of times, even now the comic books, I'm starting to realize the characters I used to love as a kid can become pagan to me, can become idols, pagan idols to me. All right, nobody wants to admit it, but it's true. At some point, because our society begins to worship these characters, you look at some of these comic book shops, you see they make figurines of them figurines of like Superman or Spider Man or Wonder Woman or even other characters, some characters even dive into the occult and people buy them for what reason I don't have them I guess maybe having a poster might be close to it but I'm sure it's innocent uh, at first but it becomes paganistic you know it it becomes an idol and you you gotta admit it can be dangerous The same way we could probably an adult who, who worships, uh, some rock singer or even putting a poster up your your favorite pornographic model to some extent where you got a whole room covered on walls can be paganistic. You know, it's obvious it happens. These things, you know, these things can change at some point. And we have to learn to admit that and when we have to see this about ourselves. So this is why we need Christ in, in our society, outside the church and inside the church, we need Jesus Christ. We need to certain, certain ways to mature. We got to realize even in politics, even in culture, in and outside the home. There's a culture outside the home and there's a culture inside the home. You need Christ. You need him in politics and you need him in culture. You need him in your life, how you think the things you do. Myself, personally, I, I originally made, went to art school. I wanted to become a comic book artist. <laughs> I love comics. Comics was something I connect with. In time, of course, realizing that much of the uh, of that field has changed, it's no longer the same anymore. And um, I never really achieved that dream. I wanted to become either a comic book artist or become a fantasy, sci-fi, fantasy artist. That that's no longer possible anymore. And I have to admit, I probably didn't have the drive as much as I should have had. A lot of pe- a lot of young people. Uh, who went in that field? It's a dime a dozen, you know. Artists, you go to art school. Believe me, believe me, you're you're gonna find you're not the only one who lived in that world and was obsessed with that world. But it was a world I fantasized and obsessed with because I loved it and I loved everything about it. And of course, in time, things began to change. Uh, religion, like I said before, in my life it was in and out. It came in my life and outside my life. It was a struggle between in time, Christ came back into my life and I began to, to look at things a little bit more because you got to look at that world. You got to look into it, you know, examine it, examine your, your, um, the reality of it, you know, what is it really doing for me? When I finally got out of school and the reality of getting a job. Uh, it was different, and things, but things were starting to change. Def, definitely, there was a lot of things starting to change, even in society. Things began to change, and so that's what happened. I know, I, I, you know, I started to uh, work. I started meeting meeting new people, and um, you know, slowly, I began to uh, examine. Examine things, examine myself, examine what I believe a lot, you know, uh, of make an account of things and try to understand exactly who I am and what I believe in. And, you know, that's when, uh, when I finally, I, I got a steady job, not exactly a dream job, but it was a job that was paying the bills and it was helping me to take care of my mother. And uh, you know, I began to uh, examine more. And as, back in '97, I you know, I decided, I, you know, I need to I need to become Catholic. I need to become a Christian. But I still, you know, once in a while, I take a look at this um, stuff I used to enjoy as a kid. And you know, you you know, like Paul said, in uh, in Corinthians. You know, sometimes you got to put away childish things. Once in a while you can look into it. And, you know, you have to realize when you were a kid, these were things you connected with. It's nice, but the new stuff is definitely not worth it. It's not something I would give a kid. If I had a child, if I had a son, I would give him the classic stuff to read. Because children need to build up their, their imagination. They need to... They need uh, to—and superheroes have one factor about them. And I liked Spider-Man, the the early version, because he lived up to his responsibility. You know, that line, with great power comes great responsibility. That's—oh, that's very—it's very true. It's true. It's true in reality as well as in fantasy. And that's what makes it good, in a sense, because it gives the child an understanding. And here's a, uh, a child superhero. That's what Spider-Man was. Slowly growing up. That, that's what made him a great superhero. It's because a child can connect to him. Can connect to this character and grow up with the character. And the character is trying to grow up. You know, trying to live up to his responsibility. It doesn't necessarily have to be with superpowers, but it has to do a lot with the will. And that's what made the character great. And a lot of these character, a lot of these young people don't understand that. They don't, they don't understand what this means. And I, if you protest, what are you protesting for? What is it you want to change? What kind of police department do you want? What kind of law enforcement do you want? What kind of justice do you want? They don't know that. And how can you trust anybody who's pillaging and plundering stores and stealing and burning, burning these, these places down when later on, there is not going to be any job. And that's what it is. They don't want to work. So they're burning these places down. First, they loot them, then they burn them down. Does that make any sense? Because you're going to have poverty. Now, you're going to have to go further away to look for a job. And, you know, if that is what you want a job, because what are you going to do? Go to the next town and burn the next place down? Loot it and burn it down to the ground? I don't know. Certainly, it's, it's making me really think really hard about what, what the society is becoming because it's making me worried. Even I'm getting frustrated with New York. I was talking to my brother. He's a cop. He doesn't want to stay in New York anymore. I love Brooklyn. I grew up here. I grew up in New York, but I'm, I'm thinking twice about it too now. Anyway, folks, we're going to end it here. Um, I really, truly believe that our responsibility as Catholics is that we have to really, you know, a friend of mine told me that Mother Angelica said, make a copy of a dollar bill or a 10 or a 5 or a 20. doesn't make it. Make a, a, a Xerox copy. Write on it, no dogma, no money and put it in the collection box so they can get the message. They need to know this. If they are not going to preach Christ, if they're not going to preach the gospel, if they're not going to preach the word of God, because if they don't preach it, these young people are not going to know what it is, and they're going to do this again. And as if they're going to become friends with the government, if they're going to be subject to the state, then guess what? No gospel, no dogma, no truth, no money. I would write that down. No gospel, no dogma, no truth, no money. And put it in a basket for them. They have to know this because they, they really expect us. I mean, think about it. How many people you think are going to come back in the church? They got used to being watching streaming or mass at home. Heck, by this time, they're probably no longer watching streaming mass. They're probably just watching something else. It's very easy to fall back into, into a sinful life. You know, it's very easy. And I don't think they understand this. Remember this. No gospel, no dogma, no truth, no money. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this for my next podcast at the start. So we're going to end it with a prayer and we'll get back together again soon. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Lord, please uh, help us. Holy Mother of God, please pray for us. Amen.